2: www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to PO Box 1888. That's PO Box 1888, San Antonio, Texas 78218.
0: Welcome to the Bible Live quiz hour. Get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Cause here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. And here we
3: are. Reunit as we are And now, reunited on air again, after almost a month apart, here is Soapy and Jacob and the Bible Live Quiz Show. Dan. We are back in the saddle. Way to go, Juanito. That was great. Job. <laughs> uh, well, we are. We are back in the saddle. We're both uh, feeling... Um, well, we're both fully clothed and in our right minds, as uh, is, is right as our minds get, and we are uh, both feeling uh, much better, better, I guess. Better better, better, better. I'm not entirely out of the, out from under the um, a little bit of a thing I've had, flu, cold, whatever it is, man, it just hangs on and on and on, but I am thrilled to be here tonight with you folks. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bible Live broadcast. We are... In the book of
1: Numbers. We are n- in the book of Numbers.
3: Now, you you took them um, primarily, I guess, uh, uh, Leviticus was primarily yours this year, wasn't it? Uh Almost well, entirely all, yours. It belongs to all of us. Yes, I know, but you you took us through Leviticus uh, uh, <clears throat> due to my being out and uh, yeah. a number of different and, things. And
1: I also got to do Matthew.
3: And Matthew, wow, yeah, that, and I missed that. I like. Well, that's okay.
1: We'll do it again next year. Okay, all right. We'll, do, well we do it again every year, don't we? That's that. And a, you can do it the Christmas show again. All right. In fact, I coincidentally got to do your Christmas show because yes, you were out sick. That's right. Well, and, and your family was insisting that you should be with them. And I'll, I'll be quite frank with you, I think that was the appropriate place for you to be.
3: They did. I was going to come in, and I tell you, my my sweet wife of 46 years said, You belong here tonight. So, oh. uh, And you were kind enough to go ahead and cover that for me. But I do love... Uh, I, I, I love the, the... I love the Matthew and... and uh, the way it. I love this book more and more, Jacob. I, I love this book, The Bible. It, it is just so fascinating, so amazing, you know, just even enough by itself as a book. But uh, uh, if it's true, which I believe it to be, a true representation of. of God the creator stepping in and acting and speaking and revealing himself and carrying out a a plan of redemption and and, and, uh, ransoming his wayward creation and uh, purchasing us back uh, for himself. Uh, I I just, it's just such a beautiful beautiful picture uh, for us and uh, I I think, I, I actually, I'm more and more convinced this is this is pretty much true. Uh, I, I got a book this week. I, I think I loaned you a copy of it from the National, National Geographic, talking about the archaeological evidence <laughs> up till now. The archaeological evidence for um, about Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, and the, the supportive and that what they found that that supports the
1: early, uh, you know, the gospel. Especially like the actual photographs of the Last Supper.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was right.
1: Oh, everybody smile. Uh, no, but
3: uh, if you're going to find it. I brought you, I brought him a copy tonight, folks. To re- he's going to really find it fascinating, especially in light of our friends from the archaeological, um, biblical archaeological. Sure. They, I, I sure hope they might pick up on some of that. Uh, maybe they'll do an article like it. But if you if you haven't seen it, folks, it's in the most recent. I believe the most recent. No, no, I think there's another one since it. This was December's uh, National Geographic about uh, ge- what archaeology says about Jesus of Nazareth, and what kind of what we have in to the present time uh, about this one individual and his life. Well, tonight, though, <clears throat> tonight we are uh, going to continue continue in the Book of Numbers. Uh, is it called Numbers in Hebrew? No, Bar mit bar. Barmeat Bar, yeah, that's why I forgot Sun
1: No, uh Wilderness. Oh, is that the wilderness? Yeah, they're okay. in the wilderness,
3: yeah. Bar, yeah, that's exactly right. They leave finally from uh the base of Mount Sinai. They take out with the synagogue with the synagogue with the um, Well in a sense they do. Okay, all right. With the tabernacle in the in the midst, uh, and they head on up to the promised land. Uh, basically, if I understand correctly, should have been something like a week or week and a half journey, eleven day journey, or something like that. But they turn it into forty years somehow. That sounds like a trick of mine. Uh, spiritually, I can turn eleven days into forty year experience easily. But they uh, <clears throat> now are we? We are already past that. Experience, right? Or have they already failed the uh, test to go into the oh, Promised Land?
1: Oh, no, no, no. We're going to send, uh, I know we talk about, we use the word spies, but Shalach is, uh, I think a more appropriate would be, let's call them uh, emissaries. Okay. Or even ambassadors, but, you know, probably emissaries, but we do call them spies.
3: Emissaries, but incognito, right? I mean, they didn't go in there flying the Jewish flag. Right?
1: Uh, it would have been ill-advised <laughs>
3: <laughs> so uh, it was a little bit of uh, a clandestine, uh, clandestine 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 um, oh, whatever yes. aspect to it yeah. so they they go in when does that happen in what chapter uh, um,
1: that's later on when they, they send it and they ask Moses hey let's send ten guys and actually one of the interesting things is they ask Moses concedes but it doesn't really say that God told Moses to do it but he does do it okay and uh, what's interesting is when they come back one of the most interesting verses come back, and when they come back in, they say to Moses, hey, and they say to uh, the whole camp of the Israelis, uh, they say, well, uh, you know, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. Now, they've had no conversations with these big guys over there in Israel, or what now is the captured land called Canaan, Canaan. Uh-huh. and uh, so how did they know? Well, you see, they're saying how they felt, not what really took place. They're saying, we were grasshoppers in their eyes. And then they say, oh, it's a great land. It's a great land. They got these great big pieces of fruit, and it produces all this big fruit, you know. But uh, it consumes all the people. So they're slandering the land of Israel, as the tradition teaches. And they're also making... uh, illogical explanation of how other people saw them, but people feel a certain way. And, of course, out of the ten that go, uh, there's only two that do not... Of the twelve that go. I'm sorry, the twelve that go. There's only two that really support the objective of God and Moses, and the other ten, they seem to not want to do that.
3: Right, and uh, the people evidently... Go with the majority. (laughs) The majority vote in that particular case uh, prevails, and uh, they don't go in. And um, it turns out to be their loss. It turns out to be a mistake. Uh, They are doomed, if we can use that word, uh, to wander there in the wilderness. For 40 years, this people group wanders a very nomadic uh, tent Um lifestyle uh temporary lifestyle wandering around the wilderness now, and I want you to tell us a little about that i didn't i didn't know this. this was a very specific very specific, clearly marked experience of the people of Israel in some ways, it sounds like well they're just wandering meaninglessly, but they but they actually learn a lot of the lessons are taught to them. During this time, and um, at the end, don't they give, Jacob, at the end of the book of Numbers, don't they give a... Uh, kind of a travel itinerary they give a recap of
1: where they stopped yes all during this
3: and and their lessons all along the way Uh each each of these places so it was a
1: and some of them we really cannot identify today where those stops were Mm -hmm. but we know and i believe it's in chapter uh, 33 i believe that there are uh it lists the stops they made and uh I like the presentation of some Hebrew scholars that suggest that some of them, the reason we cannot locate them is because they're not just stops physically, but stops where they learn something spiritually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like that thought.
3: Uh, yeah, and uh, I remember growing up uh, learning about the Bible. It seems like one one phrase that I remember about this experience is the, the stops as well as the steps. Of God's people are guided by the Lord, and so give you. You know, if God seems to have you stopped, you know, don't think it's meaningless and lost time. There's there's value in those as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. So uh, anyway,
1: do you know how many there are? Twenty three. An excellent guess. No. No. Forty two. Yes. You're kidding. Oh no! Why would I kid? Forty two. Forty-two stops. Yes. Hmm, Now, where does that number, for the benefit of the Christian hmm, listeners, where does that number reoccur at in the Gospel of Matthew? The generations of uh, three times 14 or four times 13. Uh No, three times Uh Three times 14 is 42. 42. So you've got, I'm going to suggest, true or untrue, uh, that there are 42 physical stops, we'll call it in the book of Numbers. And uh, then, when in the book of Matthew, the Christian scriptures, you've got forty-two generational stops by the names of all the people. Isn't that interesting?
3: Yes, it is very interesting. Well, before we get to—and by the way, folks, our phone number is three four zero ninety five eighty five three forty.
1: Writing that down. What was that again? 9585. And okay, if you'd you like to call in, you got to dial two ten now. Huh? You got to dial two ten now. Oh, that's right. Two ten is area
3: code. Three four zero nine five eight five. If you'd like to be a part of the program and uh, sound off about either the Book of Numbers as we uh, make our way through it. Now we've we've covered Genesis, Exodus, uh, the Book of Leviticus, and uh, we have spent time all, all the way through in December. We finished up. We went back to the New Testament, picked up on the Gospel of Matthew, and the life of Jesus of Nazareth according to uh, Levi, this um, first century. Jewish tax collector who became a follower of Jesus of Nazareth and writes his um, his version, his description of the life and ministry of Jesus uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, the first gospel, the first book of the New Testament. And uh, we've finished that, and now we've come back to pick up in the Hebrew Scriptures the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. So that's where we are. If you'd like to ask a question or give a comment or an opinion or uh, or ask any kind of a question about god about the biblical revelation about what uh <laughs> anything a spiritual life what it means to know god walk with god we'll try to I, I i've been on the mission field 46 years and i love to love to share it open and answer questions uh if i can and if i don't know the answer i'm pretty good at saying i don't know um in fact, is one of my favorite phrases anymore is I don't know. I have not
1: laminated and carry it in my wallet.
3: <laughs> I don't know. That would be a good card to carry. I I, I don't know. Well, here you we have it, though. So give us a call, 340-9585, area code 210. Before we get into the spies, though, ah, before there a the spies, a couple of things that happened to them that, uh, well, several things, actually, in the earlier chapters of Numbers that uh, that might bear some uh, commentary from you in particular, Jacob. We have this uh, experience of the fire, remember, uh, that there was a plague, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. And, and then there was a solution given, and it wasn't that where they saw he put up uh, the brazen, uh, a brass uh, yeah. image of a serpent. Yeah. And when they looked at that image, they were healed. and evidently a, a look of faith or whatever. Sure. But that's interesting and uh, cause, because uh, Jesus of Nazareth actually uses that in his he does. teaching as well.
1: Just as Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, oh, right, so right, the right, Son right. of Man will be Would lifted up. Would you like up, to know yeah. something interesting that's kind of oh, esoteric, shall we say? All right. Uh, well, it's... Uh, esoteric. He, yeah, because... scares uh, me a little in bit. Hebrew, the word for the serpent is <laughs> nachesh. Uh, Nahesh. okay. And... Numerically, numerically, because we know Hebrew is numbers, okay, I always figured if somebody could make the numbers and the letters of the alphabet the same, you got a lot of time on your hands <laughs> anyway, but uh, so the numerically it's the same as the word Moshiach or messiah huh now isn't that interesting the numbers of of the, the Hebrew serpent. letters for the ser- name of the serpent in Hebrew is the same Na, nah, he, numerical number as for the or the Messiah. Well, what a quinkydink. Yeah, so I've, already, I've, been, I've always read that passage you're talking about thinking, now, was he alluding to something like uh, that when he says, you'll have to look upon me like you looked upon the serpent? Very interesting indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, we saved that experience.
3: And then we see um, uh, fire from the Lord that destroys in the outskirts of the camp, and uh, and, and, and we see um, the one that I wanted to really mention to you is uh, Aaron and Miriam, uh, Moses' sister and brother. They criticize Moses for marrying uh, an Ethiopian woman or a Cushite woman, and they seem to be jealous of his power, and the, the power of the priesthood. And I, I've always thought that possibly that came from their experience in Egypt, because in Egypt, as you have noted to us before, the priesthood... Those in the priesthood in Egypt were exempted from all the taxation uh, that the pharaoh put on the people. Remember when he yes. he was telling them how to survive this yeah. this famine, uh, he, he increasingly wow. he increased the power and, and, and the riches, the wealth of the state right. of the of the Egyptian government, and they took over the lands, they took over the farms and the stock, and they took over the lives of the people. But the priests the priestly cast were exempted from those, and so they may have been the only ones that kind of gained wealth and power uh, in that. And I'm wondering if that might have influenced Miriam and Aaron here when they they saw... you know the, Moses exercising this being the the that voice for God to the people mm-hmm. uh, th- was that jealousy is involved well, I, what how do
1: you how does that seem yeah, in the Jewish and if you look at, certainly there was some kind of a contest going on there and maybe a little complaining but if you look at the substance of what was being said it was the rabbis tend to read that a tad differently uh-huh. they tend to read it that they were certainly criticizing Moses Moses, But Miriam was actually criticizing and interjecting herself into the personal, private, uh, marital life of Moses and his wife. And that's something people are not supposed to do unless you've been invited.
3: Well, this sounds like a... Mafia mandate more than hey, <laughs> you're not you, supposed you to. use guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, uh, uh, don't we don't mess with your family? Yeah, that's uh, right, yeah, you know. My, well, okay. As
1: Moses said, his uh, his father came to America with nothing but a lot of high hopes and a bag of quick drying cement. You know, <laughs> All
3: right, quick drying cement. That's All it, right, I got true. it. I get it. I get it. Uh, but but God uh, punishes Miriam with leprosy, and then Moses
1: prays for her deliverance and Yes, healing. and as far as I know. As far as I know, and I I think this is right. That's the first time what we call intercessory prayer occurs in the Bible. Because hmm. he he asked God to heal her.
3: Where'd he go, Moses? Yeah. Well. First, always got to be a first of some, everything, I guess. A first, first time for everything. Well, cool. That's that's an interesting observation. Well, then we come now to this this idea. They finally make it up to uh, Canaan. They're ready to go in. They're ready to see the promise fulfilled uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you know this will be their land that God will bless them in it, and so on. And they're ready to go in, and yet uh, they they fail. It, it's pretty much straightforward they don't they just don't go they're too afraid um i don't know it seems uh, if, if, if there were indeed upwards of two million and well, we know two, there's six hundred yeah. something
1: thousand yeah, the rabbis say there's between and the ancient rabbis the sages will come uh-huh. they say there's between oh well, let's say two and a half to three million people
3: and we know that they've had. A census uh-huh. taken—that's uh-huh. where the book gets its name, the uh-huh. Book of Numbers—is uh-huh. that uh-huh. they take this census and there are about six over six hundred thousand. Uh, six hundred and three
1: thousand and something. Yes.
3: Of uh, uh, warriors, uh, men, twenty years of age
1: and older. Yeah. yeah. What'd you say? Six hundred three thousand five hundred and fifty. But who's counting? Men. Men. Because. Twenty years and over. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> And so that's very interesting. Now, because one of the things they talk about, and you're alluding to, is the word. In English, they say the word "giants," right? There are giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers. Yeah, comparison. What would that word be in Hebrew? It's a word you know. It is. Yes, it is, and it spawns some of the most interesting. Thoughts and stories. Oh, I know. The Nephilim. Neph- you got it? Nephilim, or uh, what? Nephilim. Uh-huh. Nephilim. So actually, when you're reading it, they're saying, oh, no, there's Nephilim in that land, but we translate it in English as giants, but you miss the idea of what these, they're really saying. They're not just tall, powerful guys that work out with a lot of weights. They're suggesting there's something spiritual and uh, something that was mystical about these guys. So there's more going on in this story, because actually, from the Hebrew, it says Nephilim. So you stop and say, Whoa, they're saying it's Nephilim? I thought those guys got drowned.
3: <laughs> drowned? <laughs>
1: Drowned? Yeah, huh? no, drowned.
3: Yeah, those Did, guys got drowned. Those right? guys. Yeah, well, that, if, if you want to look that up, folks, Nephilim appears in what? Genesis chapter 6, uh, is it? Chapter 6, huh Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it says that it's on the way to the uh, decadence and to the spiritual decline of the human race leading up to the experience of the flood and Noah and his uh, family. And so there were giants that, that in Nephilim, and some people think that maybe they were... Mm-hmm kind of half reads between angels and humans and so on and so, and I, I don't it spawns think so myself, a lot of discussion yeah it does uh, there's it's a little i don't think it's so mysterious myself i I kind of see it as Is understandable in in the normal sense. But, yeah, it does. You're right. Well, So
1: you think the spies make an allusion? They allude a little bit to... uh, If we actually go back and look at the word, they're actually using the word that we know from chapter 6 in mm -hmm. Genesis being Nephilim. So they're not just big guys. There's something extra about this, uh, who they are.
3: Well, basically, then, from fear and from lack of faith, Uh uh, they... Decline. They discourage the idea of going back into the land, right. and uh, wow, they uh, they don't. And so, I don't know what that says about God and His ways. What do they uh, now? Now, l- l- let's take this now. The whole forty. The whole forty year experience in the wilderness. That entire experience, I think, is seen in different ways as as a picture of different aspects of our spiritual lives even today i think sometimes people see the wandering in the wilderness as the experience of of us as human beings this earthly experience as God's people at least those as believers this is our wilderness experience this is where we're being trained this is where we're being taught to walk and live by faith to trust God to obey God Uh, and we live uh, here we live in a closed system where good and evil coexist and so we're we're not exempted from pain and suffering and difficulties and trials and tribulations of all kinds so we are going through our wilderness experience and the river joy Going into the promised land is seen as uh, heaven. You know, that finally we've finished our Actually, wilderness experience.
1: Actually, that's an apt analogy. That's, and I've heard that many times before. And, and, and I like it because it works for me. But you've got the idea that they're traveling in the wilderness, as perhaps we are traveling in the wilderness. And as the you know the concept is, is that uh, ultimately you get to Israel, or you might say, paradise, heaven, Don. Right. And, and then uh, another view of it is, and I think this comes mainly... I'm not sure, but it
3: might come from the book of of Hebrews, this view, is that the wilderness experience uh, is the experience of believers, those of us who know and follow uh, the Lord and and are walking with him, it seems to reflect the experience before We we learn to walk in victory before we learn to walk and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Before we enter into our rest, that's the phrase that used in Hebrews, that uh, we're still struggling along trying to live maybe the Christian life in our own faith or the godly life in our own faith and our own strength instead of relying and depending on God's power at work in us. And so that, that tends to be another imagery from the book of Hebrews. 340 9585 is our phone number. Give us a call if you'd like. We'll be right back.
2: Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas, so call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through
4: planning.
2: Hey, this is Bob Oleschewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Singer B.B. Raja teamed up with country star's Florida Georgia Line to create the song, Meant to Be. The tune beckons listeners to kick back and relax while understanding that a new relationship will work out if it's meant to be.
0: If it's meant to be, it'll be.
2: Just relax isn't always the perfect formula for life, of course. But in some ways, that worry-free advice could be pretty good. After all, even Jesus encouraged us not to worry. And those of us who tend to stress about every little detail of life could probably stand to kick back a little more. So I'm giving Meant to Be a 4 out of 5 for family friendliness. For the full review of the song, be sure to visit us at PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families, Plugged In.
0: Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com.
3: The Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back on bended knee. What? That's a great song to bring in our second segment here. We were just talking about the first, uh, the first experience of intercessory prayer that we note in the Bible. Doesn't mean the first time it ever happened. I, I don't. I suppose maybe it wasn't, but it's the first recorded intercessory prayer. Jacob uh, pointed out to me when Moses prays for um, his sister Miriam, and she is healed of leprosy. Very interesting experience. But wait a minute! Now I'm thinking. Now that I think about it, Jacob, didn't Moses also pray for the people of Israel when God was going to destroy them? And he says, "I'm going to destroy them and make you the new. Uh, you're the new Adam. G- we will start all over again with you." And yeah. and, and Moses doesn't well, he pray yeah. and say, "Oh, well, Lord. I
1: don't know that he's praying." Perhaps we could phrase it that way. He's certainly talking to God. Well, what is prayer? But uh, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> talking to God,
3: I thought that was what prayer was. Well, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Now that I thought yeah, of it, there I might think, have been and a, God
1: was talking back.
3: There. Uh, well, that mm, that is a little. Maybe a little different twist on things. But anyway, we did have an an experience of intercessory prayer here with Moses praying for his sister Miriam yeah. and her criticizing uh, maybe a little bit of jealousy going on. Not, not a romantic jealousy, but uh, jealous of the power, the influence of Moses uh, as he exercises uh, that role yeah, of no priest. There's no doubt
1: that she was saying, hey, you know, Ah, uh, your brother's holy. I'm holy. Why come we, how come yeah, we can't we?
3: We want to ourselves. get in on this power and influence and so on. And, and uh, of course, it wasn't up to Moses to make that decision anyway, ultimately, I suppose. So, um, and God made that fairly clear. Well, let's move on forward. If you'd like to give us a call, 340-9585. And let's go ahead. Uh, before we move forward on our conversation, let's go and talk with, uh, Renee that's calling in. Hi, Renee. How are you this evening?
4: I'm doing good, Sophie. I love you. And then you look to Jacob. Jacob, is it going to be okay? Jacob, I love you. I you think, know, I think, I, it, I think you, Jacob, I you,
3: Renee, I, uh-huh. I think, Renee, I think Jacob's going to be okay in time. The psychologist tells yeah. us.
4: and then look at now, I called you guys in 2012. Okay. And I said, you know, when um, my fiance died and those children, they won't stop doing to my house what they're doing to my house. They won't stop it. But then, you know, I went to the cross. I, I live in Bandera. Uh-huh. So I went to the cross in Kerrville. And Jesus said, you know, Renee, it's going to be okay. I didn't do anything wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I had I had one husband. He was Alfred George Bocaville. He owned um, Southwest Airlines Magazine. That was my husband. I had one fiancé. Third, uh, he's uh-huh. Danish. I, I took him to Denmark in 2005. Denmark's pretty. Those children, they won't leave me alone. I didn't ask when he died. I didn't ask him to leave everything to me. You know what I'm saying? Yes.
3: You I remember now. I remember our conversations. You know, I
4: remember I called you. Yes. I called you before. I remember. I, I want to I wanna get together with Jacob. He's Jewish and he believes in Jesus. <laughs> I love my Jesus. <laughs> I just love my Jesus. And people say to me, You know, Renee, you just love Jesus. Yeah, I gotta live the world. You know what I'm saying? I gotta live it. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yep, yep I do. I love him too. You know I really do. I, lo-
4: I love Jesus so much. And they say, Oh, Renee, you're so pretty. I said, I can't take you. I'll kill you.
0: <laughs> but
4: not with like
0: you. Did you I just snort one,
4: on you know, the air? I had, I... I had, I had one um, husband. He died of a heart attack. Uh huh. In his sleep, I had one fiance. He died of a heart attack in my arms. You know what I'm saying? I can't go there again. You know what I mean?
3: Right I hear you say, loud and clear. Say, has say, every oh, has everything? Oh,
4: Renee, you're so pretty. Renee, you're so pretty. And then look at Sophie. Um, I, I I kept the clothes that I wore when I was a junior and senior at Churchill High School, and that's what I'm wearing now. <laughs> uh,
3: that's amazing. Yeah, and I could not do that. You
4: know what I'm saying? I'm surely could not do that. Old.
3: <laughs> well, let, well, let me ask you a question here, Renee. I want, I want to ask you a question here. D- did everything pan out all right? I remember when you called, I, I remember hearing and, and uh, we prayed together. I, I remember praying that things would work together and so on. Would you say that everything has finally, uh, as far as the settling of all of these issues, has it all settled out the way you had hoped?
4: You know, Sophie, I came home to my house. I have a house on Bandera Boulevard. Uh-huh. I have almost an acre. They drilled three, three circles in my house. They drilled three circles in my house.
3: What, say, have, say that word I, again.
4: I have, I, now, look it. I have um, a, a, a table that's built in table in my living room. Uh-huh. They drilled a circle in it. Then I have a beam. My house, it's a um, white brick. It's white brick. Uh-huh. And then they draw they draw the circle in that. And then they draw the circle by my fireplace. I have a big fireplace. Then they throw the circle by that. And they're not even American citizens. I know who it is. It's Martin. It's his son. You know when when Eric died, Catherine said, "You know Martin, he's taking it bad. He's taking it bad." Yeah, I paid five thousand dollars, man, to have a, a, a camera system put around my house. Wow. I got through it.
3: You know well, are you a happy woman? Yeah, are you a happy person?
4: Yeah. yeah. Because I'm getting out.
3: All right. I just I'm, I'm just curious.
4: Out. I'm getting out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah I'm getting I out. I paid hundred and eighty seven thousand dollars for my home. I gave it away for fifty thousand to get out. To get out. If you have Jesus Christ, you have all you would need. And I love Jesus Christ, and he's all I need.
3: Renee, that is amazing. You know that is amazing. And
4: I love, I love him so much, Sophie. I love him so much. You know, my testimony, if I could stand in front of a pulpit and say my testimony, unshackled. Have you ever heard of unshackled?
3: Yes, I have. Yeah, I love that program. I yeah. didn't
4: know. I didn't know until then. He, my life has been a cakewalk.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know, you I know. I
4: didn't know. You what? Know, I didn't know. Sophie, I didn't know until then, unshackled.
3: Life in I Jesus. Well, he, I could have been in drugs, and
4: I could have done this, and I could have done that, and I could have done this, and I couldn't do none
3: of it. But he sets, us, he sets us free, doesn't he? I, I am so glad you called us, Renee. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. And we'll keep on remembering you. Don't be a stranger. Call back uh, a little more often. We'd love to hear from you. I'm going to run on, if you don't mind. I'm going to check in with another listener who is uh, giving us a call now. His name is Harold. Let's bring Harold up on the line as well. Harold, you get to follow uh, uh, Renee tonight. Now let's let's see what you... <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, you've been a long-time listener to the program. I don't know if you remember Renee calling uh, all those years ago, five years ago or not. But uh, kind of good to hear back and get an updated report. She had some difficulties in that era in that time. How are you doing, Harold? What's up? Yes, yes, I heard that. I did hear from her, not from her,
2: but I did hear hear her talk on the radio a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And um so yes, I I am aware of some of her difficulties <laughs> and things she's going to. it's it, it's awful. <clears throat> but I think she's in a better place now, I should say. Seems like uh Yeah, she it does and that's good. Um well you asked me what I was doing i uh a few weeks ago <clears> throat> <excuse> throat> a few weeks ago I I had mentioned I think that Jacob, you know, Jacob, if you're there, just
1: I, I am jump
2: here. in any time. He oh, is yep. here. Okay. Because I'm going to need some advice on this. Um, a few weeks ago, Antioch Baptist Church from San Antonio came to Temple Bethel, uh-huh. you know, for for the month of the Martin Luther King thing. Um, event, not a thing. And uh, so we had to skip a week for one reason or another. And so this week was our turn to go to to the church uh, actually to Antioch Baptist Church and um, Rabbi Nathan you know she wanted us there at 1045 and we were actually a little early and so it was a full house but just before it started I had to go downstairs fix my suspender and I came up the stairs if you ever been there you kind of get turned around because there's you know you go left or right and I said well I went up so I went up and You've heard the saying, I I don't know if the Jewish people have this saying, you know, if one door is closed, another one will be open. Jacob, I I, I don't know if you have that saying or not, but what had happened was I came up from the stairs, and I didn't recognize the area, and I saw two doors, and they were both closed, and there was a lady there, and I said, which door goes into the church? She goes, the one straight ahead. As soon as I said that, I got pinned against the wall because the other door opened up. And here comes about 15 people. And this one person says, I'm a deacon here. Hi, Harold. Another person says, hi. And then I realized it's all the clergy coming through. And then I, Pastor Campbell, uh, we shook hands and then another few people. And then I go, Oh, my lands. Rabbi Nathan's coming. How am I going to explain? I'm shaking hands with everybody that's going by. I just just felt kind of funny, you know.
3: We're just just, telling you're the official greeter, that's all.
2: Well, actually what I said was, I'm trying to get in that door. So (laughs) that was the perfect door to open, you know. So when I got out, I was actually in front of the church. And, you know, I have a lot of friends there and everything. I feel uh, comfortable there and everything. And I was adopted. Uh-huh. I wasn't going to ask him if, if I'm still adopted, because I think once you're adopted over there, you're adopted for life. For life, but right? There yeah, yeah, for life. And uh, there is one thing I wanted to mention about my son. He had said he asked his girlfriend Cheyenne to marry him, and he, and so now they're engaged. And that was on speakerphone. And so he came by himself a few days ago, and. He, You know, we kind of looked at each other, and I guess he thought I would look different. But uh, I had told him, Harold, do you have a minute? Come to my desk. I want to show you something in the Bible. Daddy, I've seen all your Bibles. I said, but this is the Chuck Swindoll Bible. And now I know why I bought this thing. I thought it was for me. Remember I mentioned uh, how the guidelines for marriage, and there's a lot of other insight there. Uh-huh. So. So I read the very first thing. that It says, the first principle of severance, I told Harold, a man leaves his father and mother, and he gets real quiet. I said, Harold, but this is what Chuck Swindoll says. He says, severance does not mean we no longer listen to our parents. It doesn't it mean we laughing. abandon
3: our, abandon no. our parents, no.
2: no. Right. And nor does it mean we never need them again. And our talk to them, and and this this Bible, it is the NLT, and um, I need to read it more often. But you know, sometimes we think we're, or I think I'm reading things that, well, actually, this didn't make sense because it says we leave our parent, um, you know, a man leaves his father. I said, well, I left many, many years ago, forty three years ago, mm-hmm. and now, now I think. Honestly, I think that's why. But Jacob, uh, I was going to ask you. Here we are in in Texas, and here comes Pastor Kemp, and right behind him comes Rabbi Nathan, and we're both in, we're all in the same church. She had a sermon. I'm sure it's going to be on on the TV. I'm not sure, but it's just it's just such a good feeling to be together, and everyone hugging and shaking hands and just being ourselves you know and
1: uh i really enjoyed it a lot
3: well let's so, hear, let's hear what, Jake, the yeah, whole idea I, right, I, just kind, of is, and the kind of well i think
1: that's great Harold i'm i'm glad you uh felt like belonging i'm glad you uh, accomplished several hugs and uh <clears throat> and i i think that's great i i'm a strong believer in uh all human beings being nice to each other and and having a nice relationship, and I think that's great that you feel that way. And, yes, I... Uh, I know that uh-huh. uh, you say your son is getting married, and uh, th- is there a date set?
2: No, there's no date yet. Uh, he had said after they finished college in a year, uh, which is good, you know, but I told him, I said, you know, Harold, what's important is uh, that y'all are too... With each other all the time, together. I'm trying to say, and uh, you know, of course, I want him to finish school and everything, but I can't say you better finish school first. You know, mm-hmm. like said, that you know, I'm trying to stay neutral. You know, I've been there, and you know, I I want him to be happy. I want them to be happy. I don't want to interfere. I don't want to. Talk
3: about anything negative, or just Mm be happy. Well, let me let me tell you something, Harold, about that particular passage, the the um, the one you talked about. It it really is uh, a very important passage because not only because of it, it's in there, it's there in the Book of Genesis when God brings together Adam and Eve. Uh, and it, later on it's, um, uh, spoken of as well in various parts of the scriptures and whenever they come to Jesus and they ask him to give a definitive idea about marriage, they ask him a question about marriage. He quotes that passage, uh, and says that's, that's, you know, that the, they they leave. Three aspects of biblical marriage are leaving, cleaving, and being one flesh, the one flesh uh, sexual relationship, Then, uh, and he repeats it. And then later on, when they ask the Apostle Paul about marriage, the people in Corinth and all, with the confusion they're having, he actually quotes it as well. So this, evidently, that is a, I, I think that it is kind of a fundamental idea of marriage is that the two, it doesn't mean they abandon father and mother but that no longer is mother and father and so on. that's no longer the primary relationship of their life in terms of um, the, the priority now there's a new priority uh, that is the husband's priority is, priority is his wife and the wife is the husband so they're leaving in the sense of um, it's no longer it's not an abandonment but it's saying they're no longer the priority uh, relationship of life now they are they are their number one priority in life now is each other. Secondly, they cleave, uh, and that is the social or public aspect of marriage, that they cleave together. They are recognized by the community as a couple, and, you know, no one, they're not going to be dating anymore. There's no more, uh, no one's trying to uh, hit on the husband or the wife and, and so on. So now in the public side, publicly, they are one, and and they are a new family, a new uh uh, social entity a new family and then finally the third is the the one flesh aspect um, and and it's that triangle that tent if you were the, in, into which children are born and protected in the context of those those dynamic you know that their priority with each other their public commitment and their uh, and, and their intimacy their privacy as a family or as, as a couple so those that particular passage is pretty powerful and hopefully maybe uh, your son Harold can, you could pass that on to him. Those are but that passage is, I think, a little bit more just, in a random, just than a random passage. It seems to be one that is uh, one of those definitive passages about what marriage, what marriage consists of, whether it's an American marriage or an Italian marriage or China. In every culture and culture, country of the world, That it involves those three aspects uh, is the idea of biblical marriage. I, I don't know if you want to throw you, in there. Well, and,
1: I have an interesting thought. Harold, are you there? Yes, I'm here, and I'm so glad, Sophie, you
2: said that. Jacobs, what are you going well, to Well, I'm going to say
1: this. Uh, it doesn't come across in English, but I'll just simplify. You know, uh, <clears throat> in Hebrew, um, the word man is ish. That's why it's Jew ish. But uh-huh. if you take off the, the one letter, it's the word esh. And esh is the Hebrew word for fire. So if you have a man and a woman. And you don't, and actually, if you take the first letter in the Hebrew of God's name, a yod, and you put it on the fire, it becomes an ish. If you take the last letter, the hey, of God's four syllable name, or the tetagrammaton, and you put it on a woman, then it's isha. And then it's man and woman. And, you know, in the Christian ceremony of marriage, they always say things like, uh, whom God has joined together, let no man put asunder, I believe is the term. And so he's nodding yes. So I've often wondered if it wasn't built on the idea of you have fire versus fire, unless... It's God that brought you together, and it's the first letter of God's name, and the last letter of God's name No quenches the fire versus fire, and it's not man and woman struggling against each other, but they're brought together in the holy idea of God's name and matrimony. Hmm. Did you know that? Man. Interesting.
2: No, I didn't know that, but man, how'd you come up with all that? Oh, just,
1: I, I've been just around. like
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fire versus fire, and...
3: I see. He's wow. only he's that, only been married six times, Harold. That no I'm sure no, he has not. Well I've been married once I have total married, fabrication. I but, just. but Johnny Carson know, has married
1: five or six times. Man, he always married a woman hmm. whose last name started with a J. And I figured out why. Why? Thanks. It's because <laughs> he'll do anything to keep from buying new bathroom towels. Oh, da 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 da! Right, well, great, Harold. Yeah, thanks well. for calling. I
2: appreciate it, and thanks for all that insights and all that help. I, you know, I, I know I'm an older guy, but I, it, it's still the first time, even though I'm 63.
3: Well, yeah. And I, Stay uh, in there. Right? Congratulations, Harold. Congratulations. Thanks. Maybe See a grandpa know. in the near future, huh? So we might. Lord, we might hear. You from <laughs> good deal, Harold. Thanks for calling and thanks for sharing that good news with us. And we, yeah, we do pray, Lord, bless that couple and uh, Harold Jr. and and help them to experience Your presence in their life and you their know, romance. there's a
1: couple interesting questions that you've actually prepared from the book of Numbers, uh-huh. and and let's let's go ahead and bring it up. And if okay. somebody wants to call in, they can. Sure. Know, uh, there's some callers, but anyway. So, if somebody calls and they want to disagree or agree, either way, that's good with me. But at any rate, uh, for example, you've got the question in here, and this is always a fascinating question. Uh, you're, number, uh, you're number 13. Uh huh. And number 15 32. Yes, it, it is. Yes. It says, A man was stoned to death. Robert. Doing what? And uh, just to move this thing along, uh, it says he was gathering wood on the Sabbath, right? Well, it says they're gathering firewood, Firewood. but I think that's going to
3: be your point of Contention that
1: perhaps it wasn't firewood? That's the well, idea? Well, uh, now, I know in most Christian settings, when I hear that explained, that it's considered to be a violation of the Sabbath law of working. Now, that may or may not be correct. But the historical meaning was, because we know who he is, because it says who he is, who his mother is, and who his father was. And so... It's actually, and if you've got it, you're certainly welcome to read it. There, Soapy, but the historical Jewish take, which seems to make a little more sense to me, uh, that he was gathering wood because he's building an idol. And it wasn't just the working on the <laughs> Sabbath. Because it gives us, the, and it says his mother, his father was this Religion, his father was a different religion. And so it's fascinating because, it, and that's in chapter uh, 1532.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it says gathering wood. It doesn't say necessarily here in this version firewood. I think that's an assumption because we kind of think, well, they're out in the camp, you know, they're, they're still in the wilderness, and that. Uh, And it does make it a point of saying it's on the Sabbath. So it's like I told you, uh, Jacob, I've said many times, we Gentiles, we just take our English Bible and we just read what it says. And we that's our starting point. That's we read there. And he says the guy is on the Sabbath day. He's gathering wood and then he gets in trouble and they seem he is actually uh, executed and we think, wow, he got now, executed for let's, let's, gathering wood yeah, on the Sabbath? That's yeah, a- and
1: the Sabbath, it looks like a, a harsh violation for the violation of the Sabbath. Now, but this is interesting. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. Well, like I say, the traditional thought more is that he was building an idol because it tells us who his mother was, who his father was, that kind of stuff. So he's he's got a, a mixture of religions, you might say. At any rate, it, and the racial issue is not the point. The religion is the the point. But this is interesting. Now, they it says, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that they didn't know what to do with him.
3: Right. And in the first place, I want to comment that I don't see his name or his family name.
1: Uh, okay. Well, but they said they didn't know what to do with him, right? Okay. So. Yes. So what They held him in custody because
3: they did not know what to do with him. Okay, there you go.
1: They now, didn't have a jail, evidently. This is... As far as I know, and I think it's correct, the only time in the Torah where a guy has been put into "quote unquote" jail into custody, yeah, custody. Mm-hmm. So, and that was only overnight till God said, "This is what you're going to do with him." And so, what's interesting is is that it is generally, generally, for uh, forbidden. To incarcerate somebody for something like this, of course, because um, if I steal a thousand dollars from you and you put me in prison for five years, well, you don't get your thousand dollars back. I learn nothing, nothing, and you don't. I don't make recompense. I ha- you take something from me, five years. I didn't take five years from you. So the the law in the Torah is more explicitly that. I should give you back what I took and then do to myself what I did to you, give you another thousand bucks. So... That way you get your money, and now I pay the same penalty, and so therefore I know what it feels like. Now, in the New Testament, the Christian scriptures, we have examples of being people put in prison. But uh, from the research I've done, I don't find we have any examples of the good guys putting people in prison. It's always the bad guys Hmm. putting the good guys in prison.
3: Well. I, I I have a question about that. We do uh-huh. see the idea of um, okay. The, one is the idea of the criminal law, which says you know you you pay for your crime. You you mm-hmm. do do the crime. You do, you know do the time, whatever. Sure. Uh, but there is also civil law that often does penalize the person for uh, financial or uh, you know for for the harm that he's right. done. Right? Is that? Would that come into this discussion or about well, well like a, we we've got OJ Simpson and there's right. a criminal law and then he was he was not well that's a not thing
1: because he he murdered
3: <laughs> well he wasn't convicted of that though no he wasn't. But but he was under criminal law. He was held accountable for on on law for unnecessary death or something, and that he was supposed under to pay. Under
1: the civil th- th- yeah, it was a, there was a subsequent civil case and they got a judgment against them for taking the life. It was a civil thing, <laughs> which he didn't do because it's not a. Well, I don't know. It was kind of confusing. But oh. anyway, would that play into this idea? Well, of- it does. And in <coughs> and in Deuteronomy, I know that's not Numbers, but in Deuteronomy it does say. well, let's suppose I have stolen. Is that break coming up?
3: Yes, already.
1: Uh-oh. Well, if I steal thousand and I have to give you your thousand back and do it to myself, give you a second thousand for myself, but suppose I'm poor and I don't have a thousand dollars. That's why I stole your thousand dollars. Then you work for it. Then I have to work for you, but I only work for as long as it takes to give you back the value of the thousand dollars. And
3: I have to teach you a trade yeah. and teach and you, you the Torah. You have to teach
1: me the Torah and right from wrong while I'm working it off.
3: <laughs> We've talked about that before you can give us a call if you'd like in our final segment 340-9585 340 the bible live we'll be right back
4: Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
3: and we are back this is the Bible live the final segment here the final half hour segment and you can join us 3409585 if you'd like to be a part of the program with a question or comment or observation that you have about the bible about the particularly the passage in the book of numbers if you'd like that's where we are right now in our bible reading schedule or any question that you might have about uh um the whole idea of of individuals having a relationship with God, walking with God, experiencing God in our lives. that uh, um, That is the central theme, I believe, of the Bible, is that uh, God is revealing himself in time and space and history. And he has revealed his redemptive plan so that we can be Reconciled to Him, and we can have a a relationship—a genuine, real relationship—with the God of the universe. That's a is an astounding thought. I don't say it lightly. I promise you, it's uh, often. uh, You know, Jacob. If I have a crisis of faith anymore, I I came, I began my my journey with the Lord when I was very young. I was raised in an orphanage. Uh, I was eight, eight years old. I, I went to the orphanage when I was five, but I was eight years old when I made the first uh, commitment uh, to walk with the Lord, to to trust in Jesus Christ as the Messiah and, and, and uh, my Savior. And I began to journey with the Lord and walk through life by faith in this relationship with him. And it's just been an astounding uh, journey, 60 years now walking with him. So uh <clears throat> I don't think there's any adventure quite like the idea of walking through life hand in hand with the creator him himself. Uh, but that's the central theme, I think, of the Bible running throughout it is we have all these stories. We have all these experiences. Uh, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the sons of Jacob going out into Egypt and the, becoming a, a, a nation, a people group call, being called out of Egypt uh, at the base of Mount Sinai. And then we have them in the wilderness here in, in the book of Numbers and later on going on into the promised land uh, in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, well, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy as we go into the time uh, of Joshua and so on. So we, we have this story. We have this narrative that's carried out. We have these mandates and directions and instructions given by, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, instructing his people, those that know him, follow him, giving him, giving them Principles and values and commands to, to live by uh, uh, these ten commandments, the idea of the way we should treat each other, the way the way God's people should live and treat one another with integrity, with honesty, and with respect, and so on. And uh, and so you have you have this book, but you also have in in the woven throughout the passages, woven throughout these stories and these centuries now uh, it, recorded in the scripture. You have this uh, this uh, redemptive narrative, and that God is not only revealing himself but he's going to carry out within history and uh, a, a a a plan of redemption or salvation uh paying the ransom uh purchasing back uh this people his creation that wandered away from him he is buying uh purchasing us ransoming us from sin and death and giving us a, an opportunity to be restored in our relationship with him uh jesus called it born again uh the other r- r- talks about salvation or redemption and so on but that's that's the central theme i i, I believe as it goes through the scriptures and all all in these books Numbers and all the experiences. There's, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of lessons about how we should live and all. But hidden in there as well are these constant reminders of God's redemptive plan, what He wants and desires for His people. And I think the pe- people of Israel, uh, this this people group that God has chosen here, they are.
1: They are an incredible teaching point for us. We, well, I know we read about them today, used, and we learn from their experiences. I know somebody uses the term a visual aid, and I yeah, exactly. like that term because uh-huh. that's a very good way of putting it. It's a visual aid. And in, in that spirit, since we're talking about in Chapter 15 of Numbers, uh-huh. we're talking, there's something very interesting that goes on here. Remember back in Leviticus, we're told what animal sacrifices are used for what purpose. Right, yes. And here in, uh, have you still got your Chapter 15, verse 32. Yeah, Yeah. I've still got it. Okay, and so what's interesting is it says, uh, and I'm going to read from the English translation from the the Hebrew, of course, and I'm going to start at 1525. The priest shall atone for the entire assembly of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them. It was for unintentional, and they have brought their offering, a fire offering to God. And their sin offering for God of an unintentional sin and twenty six and when it, and it shall be forgiven of the entire assembly to the to the proselyte that's the non jew that's also sojourns or travels with them, for it happened that the entire people sinned unintentionally. And in 27, if one person sins unintentionally, he shall offer, and this version says a she-goat, within the first year of the sin, before the sin offering. Now, this is making, but in the contrast is, the animal offering is for unintentional. But if you look at verse 30, and I don't know what your version how to translate it, but this one translates... And I'm reading the one in English from the Hebrew. Uh-huh. And it says verse 1530. A person who shall act high-handedly, whether native or proselyte, he blaspheming God. And I'm I'm yes. using, I'm putting the word God there. Uh-huh. And that person shall be cut off. For he scorned the word of God and broke his commandment. That person shall be purged, put to death. Now let's take a look at what's going on. For the unintentional, there's the animal. But if the person does it intentionally, he bears his own burden, his own iniquity. And you notice that the rule it's giving us, the rule, it says, if he committed blasphemy, that's in verse 30, 1530, okay? Uh Uh-huh. All right, now, right after that, we now have the story we're talking about about the man gathering wood. Now... If that's the case, you see how it's applying? Hey, they gave us a rule that an animal is used uh, for uh, unintentional. But if it's intentional or acted high-handedly, on purpose, intentional, then he's got to bear his own sin, his own iniquity, because it's intentional as versus unintentional. Now, he, they just gave us that rule, and suddenly now they found this man gathering wood. Did he gather wood? unintentionally or intentionally and it's talking actually goes on it talks about idol worship so when you start putting that in context and it does say blasphemy so it's not blasphemous to just go out and collect wood maybe you're cold that might be a sin but you're not thinking that you're doing that so from that context when he's committing blasphemy, what's blasphemy? It's against God. Yeah. So that's how they. It try- would make
3: sense that that's the reason it's told at this point in exactly. the text, exactly. Because they're giving an example, perhaps of that particular, mm-hmm. sure. um, that particular mistake, that particular right. error. Mm-hmm. The, I- interestingly, I, I mean, we're not told that, but we do have to remember that the the uh, paragraph headings and the numbers here are not part of the scriptures. It's it's a narrative that goes on and. Oh. Uh, someone just parted it at that point. Uh, it may make sense in a way to kind of part well, and the and ideas, but it also a, may be a follow on yeah. example. This is
1: how they derive that, because it gives <clears throat> us the rule of unintentional and intentional. But the intentional was for blasphemy. Now suddenly you got the example of the guy gathering wood. So they, the sages, the rabbinical sages, determined that this is obviously more than just gathering wood. It has to do with what we just got told: blasphemy, yeah. i.e., that they were going on about uh, he was creating an idol. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed this before or if you
3: knew this about. Uh, in Christian teaching, mm-hmm. Jacob, back in the uh, New Testament epistle of First John, way back in the back of the Bible, uh-huh. uh, John is talking about. It, it's a couple of observations. One is that this idea of um, Substitutionary atonement. Uh This, uh, because sometimes people read the Bible and they go, "Wow, animal sacrifice! How primitive! How brutal! How that's just—I don't understand." This book is all about animal sacrifice, and 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 I think uh, there needs to be a little con, a little context taken into account that. One is this was not just simple, uh, simply a religious ritual in a sense. It was that, but also on a practical basis, remember that the, the Levites, this tribe, one of the tribes of Israel, was designated to be the priestly um, tribe. They were to look after the spiritual uh, aspect of for the nation of Israel. They had responsibilities for health. The head responsible. There are other aspects of the, of the social life that sure. the Levites, uh, they helped in judging, uh, certain, you know, crimes and that uh-huh. sort of thing. So uh, the Levites did not have land uh, allotted to them. And so this, the offerings were used as well to help. Help the Levites to live, to feed their families, to feed their children, to help them, right. uh, and well, so there was a practical good. aspect to it. Sure. But in the spiritual world, idea, the, the clearly the idea was that God's redemptive plan uh, was going to be exercised and illustrated through uh, uh,
1: substitutionary atonement. There exactly. was going to be, there was Now, let's examine what you just said. Okay. I've read those verses you're talking about in the Christian scriptures in the mm-hmm. New Testament. And indeed, it says exactly what you're saying, substitutionary. Sometimes it says propitiation, uh-huh. a substitute. Paid in full. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, if it's a substitute, a substitute for what? In other words, the Jews did not think that killing an animal got rid of their sins. They know that the sin affects animals. And physically, you know, we are an animal. So they were picking a substitute and placing their animal sin on that animal. Uh And the animal was then burnt up. So if you kind of get the picture, I'm going to suggest it like this. So you take an animal, let's say a sheep, without a blemish. The blemish is equivalent to a sin. Uh-huh. So you got an animal without a sin, and if you burn it up, and that means the Levites get dinner that day, uh-huh. and their families. And, but it also means you're watching the smoke go up. Symbolically, you'd be seeing. Uh, Without a sin, an animal that took my animal's body's place, my body, Mm -hmm. it took that place. And then I get to see, since it didn't have sin, symbolically, what is it creating? It seems to be creating the atmosphere that you're watching the smoke go up to God. So they didn't think that killing the animal got rid of it. It was a substitute, but you must place that sin on that, and the animal becomes a replacement for your animal, your body. So the idea is, is that uh, we don't kill human beings because we don't have to. Right. And then, of course, <coughs> later on, of course, we've got the story with Jesus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah.
3: Well, there is the principle there in, in in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Scriptures: the uh, the soul that sins it shall die, and without the shedding of blood, there's yeah. no remission of sins. We see those principles brought out. Yeah. We see the same principle in the New Testament: uh, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But it, the idea is it's through this substitutionary atonement, not the blood of bulls and goats, right. but the sacrifice of Calvary, God's Son the the it the, the second adam comes and he then who, who is without sin becomes sin for us and pays the penalty of our sin substitutionary atonement but i did that wasn't exactly my point oh, in I'm 1 sorry. john 5 no that's all right that's that was there but also it says here uh uh, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. There's a confident, secure relationship with God. He says, if you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, very interesting, uh-huh. the sin unto death, you should pray, and God will give that person life. Uh-huh. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but every sin does not lead to death. Uh, Not every sin leads to death. Uh, We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Uh, And and so I guess what I'm wondering is, could this be this passage... Yes. Uh, somehow related to that idea of intentional. If you see someone who intentionally sins, uh, even if they call themselves a Christian, but they they intentionally, constantly re- sin against God, they refuse to repent. God disciplines them. God calls them up for it, but they they continue to practice sin, insisting on it. Then the idea. It seems like there's a little bit of a warning here that God reserves the right to just take you out, to take your physical life. Uh, and and sin unto death. And maybe not talking about spiritual death here, but because uh, uh, we're talking about the the uh, if you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death. But for the Christian, there is a warning that if we repeatedly ignore the correction of the Lord, there's a proverb twenty seven, I said, if the one who ignores uh, correction. Can, can suddenly be cut off and that without remedy. You know, the, this whole idea that God reserves the right to take to take someone if you if we live in rebellion and constant rebellion. And uh, maybe we're an embe- embarrassment to our God and to the family of God that God reserves the right to just take them, take them on home. Um, so anyway, I, I didn't know what that passage in numbers might be.
1: I I can easily reference a I can little easily bit. get the analogy and the and the explanation by Peter of that. Yeah, I, I can put it together, yeah.
3: Okay. I, I wondered about. I've always kind of wondered where that came from. It's a little bit of a uh, uh, that's the only place well, see, I know of it being mentioned no, as such
1: Technically speaking, technically speaking, individually there's no animal sacrifice for an intentional act. And so you have to for the intentional act now I know in, in our world, we say sin is intentional unintentional, everything, but if you go back and as we did and look in Leviticus, yeah. a lamb or a, a goat uh, is used uh, a female is used for sin 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 is unintentional, mm-hmm. and if I might say this, and I, I really respect you know this, uh, Jesus actually says on the cross in the Christian scriptures, forgive them, they know not what they're doing. He, doesn't, if he, a, he does not say, forgive them, they know exactly what they're doing because that would be intent and a lamb cannot be used for that. And the example of that is in chapter 15 of Numbers. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is, and I and I and then the verse you quoted
3: from Peter so, seems to exemplify the same thing. The, the concept or the or the principle uh, lasted on. Well, there's so much in the Book of Numbers, so many stories that we have. This one about God teaching the people through this man who who disobeys God and is cut off from the uh, from the people of God. Um, they He tells about there's a couple of battles they experience. Uh, there's Korah, this priest who also is in Korah, rebellion. Uh-huh. Korah, who leads this rebellion. Dathan uh-huh. and um, uh, who joined Korah's rebellion. And they're, they're corrected. They show disrespect for Moses by right. refusing to uh, come when Moses summoned them. And so we see these these lessons being taught, and there's so many of them we couldn't go through all of them tonight. But I was wondering about... <clears throat> one and again we saw this this first experience is probably important we mention it what sin did moses commit that kept him and his brother aaron oh, from entering the promised land that probably is a that's an event that we notice in the book of numbers that has a, a a larger significance and consequence um that we see moses here he struck the rock twice instead of speaking to the rock god told him Here's what you do in this well, case. First time, speak to the
1: rock. Yeah, the it, first time God says strike it. The right. second time he says speak to it. And what's interesting is we it seems to be the reason, given in the beginning of Deuteronomy, for the reason Moses cannot enter the land. Uh, other things, even Aaron's sin of the golden calf is not listed. So there's something else going on here. But you're absolutely right because this hitting the rock. But what's interesting is some of the rabbis talk about Moses goes, says, well, hey, can't I go in? And, uh, and basically in the beginning of Deuteronomy, it, God takes him on a mountain. Now, the way that's written, the tense of that language is future tense. Now, the rabbis, they uh, and there's some very knowledgeable guys around, they always interpret that since it's in future tense language. They said basically that Moses saw the entire land, the history, from beginning to end. So because he said, I really want to see this. So while he may not have got to go in he saw everything and oh and interesting that, that's yeah that's interesting i know you got a rich on the line would you want to talk to him now
3: he did eventually moses did make it eventually
1: into israel did you know that uh, i know the i know what you're going to tell me
3: <laughs> remember the uh, mount of transfiguration moses was there uh, uh, with uh, with jesus in the new testament uh-huh. let's go to rich let's go with rich i uh, you're right we need to Bring him on up. Hi, Rich. We've got about five minutes left in the program, so I'm glad you can join us. For maybe you can uh, close out the program for us this evening.
5: Um, I don't know if we got enough time, but anyway, I wanted to ask Jacob a question about uh, how well versed he is on Masada.
1: Let's go. Let's let's uh, talk about it uh, on the Sabbath. Uh, because i uh, oh Masada.
5: I'm wondering uh, how they uh, first of all how they got up there to start that community. Uh, they ended badly, but and why the Romans had to build a uh, ramp to get up there. I'm wondering how they got up there.
1: They well, built a stairway to heaven. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, and I'm not an expert on it, but I uh, and I don't play one on TV either. But I uh, I believe that that was originally built as a place by Herod, and so they went up there and they took charge of it, and they basically thought that nobody could get them, but the Romans knew how to conduct war, and, of course, they, the Romans built ramps and some other weapons of war to get up there.
3: I said that half seriously. I think there was a stair. Yes. They did have a yeah. stairway yeah. up, but but then once they're up there, I think they destroyed it, was my understanding sure. at
1: least. And, and, and I, I, I understand it, Richard, are you still there? I have a question for you. Okay. okay. Well, here's, uh, so I understand it. And today I understand the, the oath of allegiance that all the graduating army in Israel takes takes place on Masada. So how about that, that story is known. But as the STEM committing mass suicide, as far as yeah, I know, so that story, I'm sorry, what, Rich? He said that's so sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is sad, but I want you to know, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't think I am. I think the only way we physically know of that story is from Josephus. Now, that's interesting because he records that. A Jewish historian. A, he's a Jewish historian. Of course, he changed his last name to be the Roman name. Okay. But, uh, and depending on your perspective, he's either a hero or a traitor. But when he, and he he also had, uh, he was in a group of men in his cave, and they all decided they were going to commit suicide. And so they committed suicide, and after everybody did, he walked out and surrendered and went with the Romans.
3: Speaking of Josephus? Oh, I, oh I see. Okay. So
1: now he is the source, I believe in the antiquities that he wrote, he's the source for that story. Now, I'm not saying it's not true, but as far as I know, that's the piece of literature that tells the story. And it is interesting that he says they did it, and when we know that, uh, the people of Masada, I mean, and we know for sure that he did it. I don't know, maybe some people say suggest maybe it was just justification well the
5: reason the reason i asked was because uh i thought it was a sin to commit suicide that that's the second reason i asked
1: it's uh it's a sin to commit murder and if you kill yourself technically it's uh it's murder you i don't keep, know if it's uh, ever
3: i don't know if it's ever spoken rich uh, Spoken to directly about the idea of killing oneself. I'm not sure if the
1: scriptures ever address that directly. Do you? Can you think of any? The passage? only one I'm aware of, I've had it explained to me, is "You shall not kill the innocent." You shall not murder, kill. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and if you kill yourself, you are killing a person. So it still comes under that heading, as it's been explained to me. Yeah,
3: well, Saul, we know that uh, King Saul, the first king of Israel, uh, fell on his sword. Uh, There are others that, that's the expression that's used quite often, he fell on his own sword, and so on. Uh, There was, uh, but that, is there another, is there... Wait, Samson. Oh, Yes, Samson brought the house down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I didn't mean it that
1: way, and, really. But. Uh, and because he says that famous line, Samson does, "Let me die with my enemies." Uh huh. And so we've got that, and I do believe there is another one. But so it does. So it's a, it's a, it's something to be dealt with. And I, I understand your question about it. Um I See, know I know that.
5: two people that did that. That's why I, uh, yeah, you know,
1: uh, yeah, I know. You're not I, contemplating suicide, are you, Rich?
5: No, no, no. I have a lot of faith in God. I'm not about to commit suicide. Yeah.
3: Well, I know what you mean, though. When it, it happens, and and people are heartbroken and devastated after that, I've I've counseled families who, who have lost loved ones through that that avenue yeah. and and i yeah. i don't know it, it's a very hard thing to counsel folks and someone who is that deeply depressed or ill or whatever it is discouraged uh hopelessness actually despair uh it, it it's um, oh it just breaks your heart for them and for their loved ones but um well yeah. no, i don't i don't think the scriptures actually speak to it directly but i i think it's well, legitimate to person, think of it as murder. I think
1: you just nailed it. And I, that's been explained to me in the past. And if a person, let's say, is, has cancer or some loathsome disease and they die, that's not held against them because they, they can't right. help that. Well, if a person gets so depressed they can't make judgments, that, too, is a disease. And so that, too, cannot be held against them because that's an illness like practically right. any other illness. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
5: I know. Well, we... God, bless, God bless both of you. I'm going to let your time go now. Thank you, friend. It's getting at the man. end.
3: Appreciate you calling in. Thank you for being a, right. a part of the program.
1: There is our music. It okay. is time for and us. May I say one thing? Yes, please. Always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent.
3: All right. With that, we'll say goodnight to our friends, and we'll see you next Sunday night here on The Bible Live.
4: The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218.
0: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast.
4: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.